Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. Thank you all for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be Google Podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, wherever it may be, iHeartRadio. Thank you for tuning in. And if you would, go ahead and subscribe on those different places, uh, wherever you're listening from. And if at all possible if it's possible on there rate rate the uh, podcast and also review it if it's possible as well thank you all for tuning in uh, of course this episode we will be having john reed from the florida times union on to talk about jacksonville jaguars of course most most notably the uh rookie mini camp and of course the outlook uh kind of at this point for them and we'll get to that a little bit later, but up first, of course, I have the Get It Off Your Chest segment. Now, this one is a little bit more serious today. Um, of course, this past Saturday, I'm pretty sure people saw a few different acts of, of senseless violence and hate happen. Of course, in L.A. or, or I think Laguna Beach area at a church, and also on Saturday in Buffalo, where 10 people were killed. Those names are Celestine Cheney, Roberta Drury, Andre McNeil, Catherine Massey, Marcus Morrison, Haywood Patterson, Aaron Salter Jr., Geraldine Talley, Ruth Whitfield, and Pearl Young. 10 people killed by a 18-year-old white man that believed in replacement theory. For those that aren't aware of that, meaning basically anything that the, you know, basically white people are getting replaced in jobs by, or just society or whatever, by people of color and black people. Uh, he felt this and decided, hey, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to a black uh, neighborhood a grocery store and I'm going to kill black people now for anyone that tells me that he this or he that or there's not very many people that's going to say this but there may be some that say well how do you know he was aiming for black people well you know because he spared a white guy that was in there or a white guy he spared a white guy and made sure to shoot black people killing 10 black people um I this keeps happening again and again. It does. And it's frustrating. It's it, it's irritating. Tired of seeing it. Tired of seeing it. Tired of seeing it happen. And the worst thing I'm tired of seeing is people try to explain it away. Oh, well, you know, that isn't all white people. Not the time for that comment. Oh, well, uh, he had mental issues. No, not buying it. Save it. It was a hate crime, a domestic terrorist. I'm going to say it again 
domestic terrorist is who this young man is. I don't care. He's just 18 and people saying he's just a kid. No, 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 no. He was grown enough to do a grown man thing. He's going to get treated like a grown man and doing things wrong. There should be no way this young man should even be out or this, I should say, I'm sorry, a coward should be out in society anymore. There should be no way he should be seeing the light of day. Honestly, in New York City, they don't have the death penalty, but I'm pretty sure that would be on the table with what just happened. I mean, people, he had the N-word on the gun. The N-word. And you know what N-word I mean. Not nurse. Despicable. Despicable act. And time and time again, black people are at the, 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 the are, are the ones that are targeted in this, these things. They're hate crimes. These, these domestic acts of terrorism, I should say. I mean, I know you all remember back in South Carolina, young man walks to the, well, that was a coward too, walked in the church to shoot people. Then the police arrest him, unharmed, by the way, which, you know, both were unharmed when they were arrested, the guy in Buffalo and the guy in uh, in South Carolina. Even took him to Burger King before taking him in. People. 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 I was saddened because you have people that have had their lives shortened at the hand of someone who was had an agenda one and basically just, I guess, sad off of his life that he wanted to take someone else's because, oh, they're taking this. They're doing this. They're doing that. No, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. It's not their fault that they're living. So now we have a 65 year old woman that was uh, there to to buy strawberries for a shortcake that is passed away. A 32-year-old woman picking up something for dinner that has passed away. And a security guard that confronted the gunman and fired back and tried to save people. And, and more than likely did save people in Mr. Aaron Salter Jr. that has passed away. It's sickening. It's disgusting. And honestly... I'm tired of seeing this happen time and time again, where black lives don't matter to people. And I need the government to make some, some things happen. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I listened to uh, my guy, uh, Nick Hamilton out in LA on, on Sirius uh, radio. And I feel everything that he said, every single thing that he said about this. I was irritated. I was pissed. I'm mad. I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad about it. But you have these people explaining stuff away. Then you had a police officer that put a joke about it or or, a, or some kind of officer had put a joke about it on Facebook. Like it was funny that people died because this guy Lost his darn, darn mind. No. It's not funny. And he should be fired too for even putting that out there. As long as as well as everyone that laughed and thought loved it and all those type of things. No, 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 no. I can tell you one thing. This black life right here that's talking matters. And I think you need to know that other black lives matter too. 
America. Black lives matter. They matter. So sick of this crap. Seeing it every, seeing it happen, happens all the time. And then you got people just keep going on with their lives like nothing happened or don't do anything about it. Enough of just the thoughts and prayers. Now, I know some people are giving thoughts and prayers and they truly mean so. But we need action with the thoughts and prayers. Punish these people. When hate crimes, heck, when, when, you know, when hate crimes and things like this happen, acts of domestic terrorism, make people pay for them. Because obviously people don't understand that they need to pay for us in this type of crap that happens. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. And I wish it would stop. And I, I'm praying that it does stop one day in my lifetime. But do I believe that wholeheartedly? That's very hard to believe at this point in time. That's my get it off your chest segment this week. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I, I, I feel so sick for all the families that lost family members. For those 10 families that lost family members in this shooting. I just feel, you know, it's, I, I'm sad for them and I, I and I. I feel their anger and frustration and their and their and their sadness right now. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, up next will be Mr. John Reed talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to. Well, let me tell you about Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching. They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, Take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And of course, rookie mini camps have began and begun and ended. And of course, the AFC South, there's a lot of attention to a few different teams. One of those teams being the Jacksonville Jaguars, and covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I you know I want to get a little unique perspective on the Jacksonville Jaguars, the rookie minicap, just kind of kind of what's going on in Jacksonville with all the hype around. You know, they signing everybody, doling out checks, bringing everybody in like they the NWA. For those that love wrestling, you know that one. But anyway, um, I wanted to bring in Mr. John Reed. He is the Jaguars beat writer. 
uh, down there in uh, is it uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville.com or is it Florida, Florida Times Union? Florida Times Union. Okay. Sorry. Kind of momentary memory. Yeah, Florida Times Union, but the website is Jacksonville.com. That's what I did. I messed around and went, got both of them. Sorry about that. But anyway, uh, from the Florida Times Union, Jacksonville.com, Mr. John Reed, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Just um, getting through the off season, <laughs> getting through OTAs, <laughs> and we got um, veteran mini camp coming up on June thirteenth, and then after that, we get a break and training camp start on the July twenty fourth. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, uh, you say getting through the off season, I say enjoying the excitement because uh, you know they had the number one overall pick down there, yeah, Mister Trayvon Walker. Now. Uh, how did he look at rookie minicamp? Did you get a chance to take a look at him? Yeah, I looked at him for two days that we were that those practices <laughs> was open. And, um, yeah, man, I say this he's not a hard guy not to notice. I mean, you know, a lot of people say that you know, you don't really take a number one pick based on projections, you know, you, you base it on basically that you can feel from what his. You know what? What is what made the, the progress that was made during the college season? You shouldn't have any questions. You know, there was also this talk about, and it, you know, never been a number one pick who wasn't an all conference or all American. But believe me, man, I, I know football. I, I know a player when I see a player, and a lot of people just don't understand when you got a stockpile of talent like Georgia had that. Um, you, you don't need a 10-sack guy on a team where you got five first-round picks on coming off that defense. But watching him, I mean, it's just amazing to me for a guy that big and can run that fast and that powerful. I mean, he's – I mean, just – I mean, you you know, a lot of – it's hard to, to estimate, you know. Obviously, they wasn't in full pads. Obviously, they wasn't hitting. But, man, let me say this. It it would be a total shock if this kid doesn't perform at the level of a number one overall pick from what I've seen. I mean, it's just it's – the, the, I mean, when you look at his wing, just, just the natural gifts that he's got, that, that ain't no coaching in the world is going to bring some of the attributes that he has. He has this the wingspan, number one. I mean, I mean it's just – I mean, it's just noticeable, you know. Right. And then you look at the fact that um, there was a play that they had. They were going through team drills at, on Saturday, and he dropped back in coverage. And um, the quarterback EJ Perry that they got from um, Brown University, he was he was he was about to check down to a receiver. And I would say that. Um, Trevon probably was about, I don't know, probably about eight yards from the running back before he looked at he was about to throw to him. And he made up a his his recovery speed to get on the on the back to cover him took about, I don't know, maybe a, a second he was there. And if that was a and if that was a live playing pads, they might have been taking that running back off off the field on the stretcher. I mean, <laughs> I mean this guy, I mean, I, I, I you know, I've, I've watched football a long time. I'm almost, I, I don't think I've never seen a, a guy that looks like a tackle, but runs like a, 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 a like a strong safety. I mean, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I, I've never seen a guy in my own eye. I mean, I've seen, 
a lot of football, watched it on television and those kind of things. But when you look at live and just see a 200 and, you know, this kid, 260, 6'5", and I mean, he, he's got a frame that he could add 30, 35 to 40 pounds and you wouldn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. And I just never seen a guy that can drop that, that get back that quick in coverage, number one. Agility, I mean, I mean, he just, I mean, he runs a four five one forty, and everything that he does, it looks, it just looks quick. It looks powerful. Looks quick. And I, and I you know, I was standing there watching him, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, well, Josh Allen is a, is a big kid playing outside linebacker. You know, I mean, he's big, strong, cut, ripped, you, you name it. He, he looks like a, a linebacker. And this kid. <laughs> I mean, Trevon is. I mean, he's he, he looks double the size of, of Josh. <laughs> wow, wow! I've just, just never seen. I mean, he's built like a defensive lineman, but runs like a like a like a defensive back. And um, wow, I've never been a fan of Trent Bulky. <laughs> the only question that I would have. On, on right now, just watching him, or watching Trevon right now after two days of rookie mini camp, is the only thing that you can't prejudge that he may not have is being an instinct. You know, how do you get off a block and get himself in position to make plays? Other than that, I, I don't see how they're going to block him. I'm not exaggerating. I'm just a powerful, strong run. I mean, he's got all those physical attributes. And if they put him in position to um, to be successful, and, and put him, you know, line him up. I mean, if they, they're working in some things where he's lining up on either side. He's playing exclusively at outside linebacker, but uh, but he's also playing up on the line of scrimmage, like like a real outside linebacker. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, I just don't see how he cannot be successful in my opinion. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, a lot, a lot to be said about him. But uh, you know, outside of uh, Walker, uh, Trayvon Walker, what's the more? What was? What was? Uh, were there any more impressive? Uh, uh, what was the most impressive? I should say, rookie that was there. Well, they all kind of was. Imp- I mean, it's just so hard to f- see a whole lot because they weren't doing a whole lot other than running around in shorts. But I, I, I see, you know, you look at a Devin Lord, you 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 look at Chad Muma, you, you you see both those guys running to the ball, both of them athletic, both of them look like they they you know they 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 look like they're a good connection playing together at, at linebacker, you know, those two guys probably stood out. I mean, they're the you know as far as other 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 young players on the defense. I mean, you can immediately look at both those guys. And say that they're a little cut above from some of these, you know, they only had like undrafted free agents and some tryout guys, and and then the seven, you know, seven players that they had and, and that they selected in the draft. But to me, it just seems like they pick up things quick, especially Chad. Just seems like you know, I don't know how much of the defense assignments was in, you know, coming in. I think the day before and going to work on the field for the first time, but it just seems like they they knew what they were doing. They knew they that their pursuit was quick. They didn't, you know, no play was stopped. And, you know, 
stop so they can be explained where to go and those kind of things just seem like they caught on very quick for the little limited amount of defense that they that they were given and they just look athletic they look especially Devin Lord he just looks quick fast big (laughs) (laughs) well that's a good thing you know definitely for uh you know for a linebacker and definitely for a team that needs more playmakers of course you know Speaking of uh, guys to watch as well, I think one guy I watch, and I think they will step in, probably be a, a Luke Fortner from uh, Kentucky. That's yeah. an offensive lineman. I think he's going to definitely be a guy to watch and probably could start at center for them potentially this year as a rookie. Yeah, well, I, I would almost say that he probably is going to start. I think that, um, you know, obviously Brandon Linder retired, and um, I think they drafted him to start, mm-hmm. you know. And you're talking about an SEC performer. He's a big kid. Um, I think, you know, I mean, they got Tyler Shatley, but it could be looking more at him just continuing to be that guy who could play guard and center if an injury comes or something like that happens to the offensive line. Actually, they might look at Tyler Shatley more at the left guard spot because I think that's the – the biggest question right now going into the rest of these OTAs and going into training camp is who's going to play the left guard position? Who's going to replace Andrew Norwell? But the kid looked good. Fortner looked good. I mean, big, strong kid. Um, very smart. <laughs> He's got about four degrees. So you don't have to tell him something three times for him to get it. So I think I, I project that he would probably step in and and be the starting center, and he looks like he look he, he looks like he um should be that guy. You know, he just seems look. It looks like you know. I always say guys that play in the SEC and they, you, you know, you're looking at what he's a third round pick, and you and you you have all these expectations, and you 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 know you done played, <laughs> you done started two three years in the SEC. I don't think it's a easy, I don't think it's that difficult adjustment, and, and it don't look like it was nothing of an adjustment for this kid during the two days that I saw. So, so right, I think he's right. going to just jump in in that position and be a starter. Got you, got you. Now, of course, uh, speaking of starters and speaking of bringing people to jump in, the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely jumped all into free agency. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they got uh, Evan Ingram at tight end, they have Foley, Matsukasi, defense tackle from the Jets, Zay Jones, wide receiver Raiders, Christian Kirk from the Cardinals, I mean, Brandon Sheriff, Foye Olukon, that linebacker from Atlanta, I mean, Brandon Sheriff, officer guard. I mean, all of these people, you know, bringing in, I mean, what I mean, which one of those, in your opinion, do you think will probably be the um, most effective of, of the of the guys that they're bringing in, or the most needed of the guys they're bringing in? Well, I think they all need it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think they need even a little more at wide receiver. But I, I mean, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the history of the Jaguars. This they've, they've had a lot of problems at tight end. I mean. I've, I've counted some of the numbers. I can remember back in 218 where they had four tight ends that I believe out of the four, they combined for three touchdown catches, you know. And I think a guy like 
Evan Ingram. I mean, I think he can be a, you know, I know he had some problems in his past with drop passes, but I think for us having a, a, a player that you could play in the slot, you could play him outside. I think he's a matchup nightmare for opponents. I, I think he plays the position more as a receiver than he does as a tight end. And I, and, and you know, Doug Peterson is a coach who, who who likes to play double tight ends. You know, they they do have a decent tight end already on that roster with Dan Arnold. But I think if you you add all the different things that um, a, a guy like Evan Evan can 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 bring to the table, and I, I think that you know I think one of the problems last season was um, was that Trevor didn't have like a a check down guy that was effective. You know, I, I think they need that, but I also think they need something to just change their look to give the defense some some issue to to <laughs> you know you know change things create up. conflict yeah create conflict and just make some matchup issues i don't think they had enough matchup issues last season particularly at tight end or wide receiver so i think okay. you bring this guy you can put him on the outside and play him in the slot i think that he could be a big difference maker I, i'm you know I'm waiting to see what Christian Kirk can do. To be honest, I think <laughs> I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about him and your thoughts on him. By the way, well, you know, I think all you hear now is what all the criticism is, was about him. You know, he's the guy that set the, the market price for the. <laughs> he set a new value for wide receivers, and a lot of you know he's a, he, you know I mean the argument is he's never been a number one receiver in his whole career. He's he's basically just been a slot receiver, mm-hmm. and. I don't think Jack the Jaguars are expecting him to just be a a number two guy or, or just a slot receiver. I think you're going to see him play, you know, in the slide, outside, whatever bunch set, whatever it is. And I think you're going to see him be, get a lot of targets, you know. And, and I, I I can recall the, the second second game of the season they played Arizona, and um, I can remember a couple of times in that game where. He got separation very quick. He, you know, he, he he got great hands. He doesn't drop the ball much. And um, I just think this team needs weapons. I think he can be a good weapon. I mean, he has to be a good weapon. You know, he has to justify a four-year, $72 million contract. But um, I think the one mistake that they made in the draft, you know, nothing wrong drafting five out of the seven as defensive players. But when you the lowest scoring offensive team in the league like this team was last year, and you really had a problem with with you had you had a lack of playmakers, and I know the price was big to to move up and and, and grab a guy like Devin Lloyd, not having that second round pick to grab a receiver might might hurt this team. I thought they should have went out. And maybe got a pick in George Pickens, a, a, a kid that can run a big, tall target for Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think that's the, the issue. And I'm also looking to see how much of impact can Jay Jones, I mean, Jay Jones uh, be. I don't know. A lot of people don't think he is deserving of that contract. He didn't really stand out with the Raiders, and um, he's getting a whole lot of money here in Jacksonville. So, you know, they've. 
a lot of talk is that, you know, he's the replacement for DJ Chark, who's now up in Detroit. And there's not a lot of separation between those two guys as far as what they can do, their ability and those kind of things. But, you know, if, if you was if you would ask me, like, what what other free agents has the most pressure? I think he has a lot of pressure to produce. Hmm. I think both of them, man, in Kirk and in uh, and in Zay Jones, to be honest. Yeah. Um Now, uh, you know, of course, you know the the players weren't weren't the only changes that happened this all season. No. The coaching regime is with with Doug Peterson. So, what is the feeling around there this year as opposed to going into last year? Well, Mike, the biggest thing is just it's just professionalism. You know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you hear. I spent the half a day with Shaq Griffin two weeks ago. And the, one of the biggest things he said was, is that we got a coaching staff that doesn't treat us like little kids. You know, we don't, we, we're not in this college environment no more where we got to have some guy on the staff announce when we got to take a, a hydrate and water break and, and, and just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we done talked about on your show just how bad it was with Urban Meyer, but just, I, I, you know, when a head coach come out publicly, like, like Doug, Peterson said Friday that he's got a football team that has to heal and he's got to watch everything he do not to break the bond of trust. That's all, you know, that was broken from an urban mire. You, I mean, you, you still got carryover issues. I mean, we still talking about a, a, a kicker here who's, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, not, not taking the, Players Association route, but 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 taking I'm taking it to the court and suing the franchise. I mean, do you know any other franchise where a player that was cut sued sued a team because he got kicked by the former head coach and it's still? I mean, you know, this happened in um, in August when he got kicked and um, it came out publicly in December and like 24 hours later, Urban Meyer lost his job. But to have that stuff trickle down. In 2022, I mean, you got some problems, and I, I and I think that what helps the situation is you got professional coaches on on this staff. You got a lot of assistants who 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 are, who are former players, and the biggest problem, the biggest difference, I just see, I just you you watch Doug Peterson. He's the coach. He's not. I mean, I can go back last year, and I think I think Urban Meyer just did things because the media was out there watching him and watching practice and this i mean doug peterson i mean you know he's in the background he's watching everything he's he's clapping he's getting his guys you know boosted and he he sees everything but he's not you know he's not the he, he don't want the spotlight not not in that way i mean he want the spotlight if they win obviously mm-hmm. but he's not craving he's not you know he's not putting on an act or a show just because the cameras are at practice and he's honest with his players. He's not going to tell his players something in April and then it comes right now, May. And what he said in April is totally different from what he's, what his actions are a month later. And those were the issues with urban. And then you just have a, I mean, you got a head football coach who's been there, you know, he's not Mm -hmm. working his first, NFL gig. He's a <laughs> NFL head coach who won a Super Bowl 
And I just think when you look at what you look at the you look at the mini camp, you look at the things that he's done, you look at the aggressiveness that they, you know, a lot of people criticize their free agency, but I will say this: they were they were aggressive, they were they were active, not reactive, and they they you know get criticized for the draft, but but they feel needs that they that that they have to have on that defensive side. You know, you look at their schedule. <laughs> And you, I mean, you got a week where you got to play Dallas, you got to play Kansas City, you got to play every team in the AFC West. And if you don't have linebackers or, or, or defensive backs who can who can stop or get pressure up front with your with your front seven, then no matter how good your offense is, you're not going to keep teams out of the end zone. So they, I think they solved half of the the battle. I think they got a more aggressive defense that can maybe do a better job containing teams, at least forcing third and longs and not giving up touchdowns. So right. I, I think right now, I think, I think they're in a good, good place right now. You know, I think, I think, but this is, believe me, man, this is not going to be like, you know, the one thing I've, I've always said about Jacksonville in the off season, the optimism grows too high here in this city. You know, it, it, you know, it, it grows too high. I don't know if it's from, the draft, or just the fact that the season, um, <laughs> the season before, has just been so bad that you got to have optimism. But if they go, you know, you look for a team that went three and fourteen. If they get seven wins, that's a win, man. That's the, you know, I, this is not going to be a, a, a fix where Doug Peterson come in here and take this team to the playoffs. <laughs> it's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that cup was almost bare. I mean, they got a <laughs> roster to a point. Mm -hmm. Where you you got a backup that's not that much far from the starter as far as talent wise, so you don't have a drop off if if a starter get hurt. And they, you know, I, I like the fact that they upgraded their linebackers. I, I like the fact that they got better defensive linemen. I still got concerns about the depth at offensive line. I, I got concerns about not having enough speed at wide receiver, not having a big outside target for Trevor Lawrence. I'm concerned about their running backs. You got two of your top running backs coming off major injuries, and you draft Snoop Connor. I mean, pretty serviceable, but he's more of a short yardage guy. And I don't think this team really knows when James Robinson coming back from Achilles tendon. You know, all I know is from covering the NBA and guys got that injury. I was almost like a nine-month injury to get back in, in anything that looking like you were before. So mm. I think they got some issues, but I just like the professionalism, and I think that's the best thing you can say about this team right now. I think that it's not so much dysfunction is gone, and I think it's more professionalism. But there's a they got a long ways to go as far as talent building, roster building, and um, getting more talent on this team. Got you, got you. And I'm definitely uh, rooting for uh, James Robinson. I, I, I mean, I personally think he'll be ready to go when the season comes around, and them and ET, him and ETN will probably be sharing some carries. Yeah, if not sixty, if not sixty forty towards James Robinson or seventy thirty. Um, but that's just my thinking. Hey, I could be wrong. And of course, you were there covering the team, so you would probably know more than me. And also, I would say that. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, good to have a lot of positivity and a lot, not of, you know, the negativity, which, you know, a lot of people brought around with Urban Meyer in terms of just 
his whole demeanor about being the coach of the team. And, you know, we're going to keep an eye on the team here at the show. We're going to keep an eye on the team, the outlook, probably revisit everything when camps roll around. But it's good to hear that they have some players in, have some free agents they brought in, and that Doug Peterson has come in and actually, you know, kind of reinvigorated the squad. But, you know, definitely it's been great talking to Jacksonville Jaguars and the team and rookies and, and the free agents. But I want to play a little game with you if you don't mind. <laughs> All right, man. I ain't got a choice, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. You know, we have two all-time Jaguar running backs. Um, yep. Depends on which one you like. Fred Taylor or Maurice Jones-Drew? Yeah. Well, you asked him that question. I like Fred Taylor better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, Fred Taylor, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I keep hearing him stomping about the Hall of Fame, and and hey, I, I'm not even I'm not even mad at him. He, he's, he should eventually be there, in my opinion. But, well, you know. I take it to this, man. I really feel that out of all the players in the history of their history since 95, I really feel Fred Taylor had the most impact. I know Tony Pacelli is in, going into the hall in August, but when you look back at what this guy did and in the amount of years that it took him to do it, and mm-hmm. you can, I mean, all you got to do is put that tape back on and watch that playoff game against Miami. That shit tells you everything you need to know about Fred Taylor. And I don't know right. what if, for what reason. That maybe it's just Jacksonville, small market, or whatever it may be, but I don't think the guy get anything what what he should deserve of getting for what the impact he made on that franchise. For whatever reason, I don't know, but it just gotcha. seems like he's just a a second player or something. You know, I mean, this guy's a truly a good, great legend in my opinion. Right, right. He definitely, definitely a guy that probably should be wearing a gold jacket soon. Um, up next, uh, which free agent do you feel will have the better impact? Would it be Darius Williams from the Los Angeles Rams or Arden Key from the San Francisco 49ers? <laughs> I don't know, but that's a tough question there, man. I, I like Darius Williams. I feel that um, it's it just so – I mean, when you, you don't know what all his talent is when you really look at what happened with the Rams and – He's playing on a team with Jalen Ramsey, so he's been overshadowed a lot. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think anybody who can come in and play great man-to-man defense like he can, I mean, I, I think he can have a bigger impact. But 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 Arden can be – I mean, I, I also take in mind that incentives mean a lot. You know, here's a guy <laughs> who on a one-year deal – coming off a great season with San Francisco and he needs to have a, a great season whether he re-signs with Jacksonville or go somewhere else so there's a lot riding on on on, on this season for, for for a guy like Kitty but I like I, I like Williams just his overall talent man I've been watching some some tapes and stuff of him when he was with the Rams and it just seems like he is a guy that came from nowhere. You, if you really study his background, from um, playing at UAB to, yeah, you know the the, the 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 program loses. I mean, you know that. I mean, it just seemed like a rag the riches story. 
And I always, mm-hmm. like, I always like um, players who had to overcome to get where they at. Really overcome, overcome the odds. And right. I, he's a he's a guy that fits that. So I was Williams, Williams would be my guy that that's gonna have a all right. Now I know you're probably who you're probably gonna pick in this one. Two all-time great Jacksonville wide receivers, mm-hmm. Jimmy Smith or Keenan McCardle. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I I I might have to change. I I might have to go with Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> man, hey, Jimmy was great, man. I still remember him catching that one against the Denver Broncos and then giving him a little flair with the little dance in the end zone. I remember that. That uh that was a good one. Now, if you had to pick one running back that you feel will lead the team in rushing next year, just based off of what you think now, Travis Etienne or James Robinson? Oh, no question. Um Travis. Oh, you're going with Travis leading them in rushing. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh we wow! I expect James. I, I feel if James Robinson was not hurt, mm-hmm. based on things that I've been hearing, I, I think Etienne would would still start ahead of him. Wow! 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 I mean, it's this kid got it. He got the bounce back in his step, man. I think he's back. And knock on wood, I hope he doesn't get any. You know, just all the injury stuff is behind him. But he's had one year to really learn the game, get get stronger. And one thing I noticed, just sneaking in on them, watching some of them work out, he ain't lost. He ain't, that injury didn't take away his speed. He got his speed, man. And if he got his, oh, the same thing you see in Clemson, that he's he got cut ability and can break away speed, hey, they'll find a way to use him. He's going to be used the right way with this coaching staff. But his explosiveness is um, – He's got way more explosiveness than um, than James Robson. So, right, right. And uh, last one: Who's going to lead the team in sacks if you had between these two players, Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker? <laughs> no, I, I I would say Josh going to win that category, but I will say Trayvon is not. We're and I said this to some of the reporters last week. When it comes to about week seven, we're going to be asking, the question is going to be, why did not Georgia get the all that they could have got out of uh, out of Trayvon instead of why did Trayvon not be an all-SEC um, selection? I, I think the question is going to be is, why they just didn't make this kid a guy that can go out and get the quarterback. But I think Josh gonna have a big year. I think I think um I think when you put more talent on the field, obviously they got they got more defensive talent. And when you look back on Josh Allen's rookie year when he had a ten and a half sacks, when they had Calais Campbell, they had um Yannick, those are the reasons why he had ten and a half sacks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can move him around and just um, let him be that that caliber of player. I think that he'll have two more sacks than Trayvon. <laughs> okay. There we have it. There we have it. All right. Well, I just want to thank you again for your time. I know you, you, you're busy doing a few different things. Uh, if you can, uh, let everyone know where they can find you, what all things you're working on, whatever you want to tell everyone. 
Well, I like to say that I'm in lovely Thomaston, Georgia right now, <laughs> working on a long um, takeout piece for um, trying to write a story about what, what, what makes this kid go, man. You, I think you have to find out players. You have to find out from where, where they're from. I think you have to find out what they had to overcome. I think you have to find out what type of person they were in high school and those kind of things. So it's a long takeout story. But I love those kind of stories. You know, those are stories that's not, you know, just the XOs and what do they do on the field, but kind of looking back at the background. But um, you can catch all the stuff that I write on Jacksonville.com. And we, you know, like I say, I'm trying to get through the offseason, man. Because to be honest, Mike, this has been a long offseason, my man. We done had a coach search. We done had a coach firing over these, you know, there's no break in the NFL. But um, this has been one of the toughest, I would say, like nine-month stretch in my career. I've been in this business for 35 years. And when you have all the dysfunction and all that went on, and yeah, it gives you a lot of um, page views and all those kind of things. But, man, it's a lot of work. And uh, and in this NFL situation, you don't get any breaks. The offseason is just as busy as the regular season. So, you know. You have to churn it out and churn it in, but uh, boy, you know, a lot of teams don't have to go through what this franchise have <laughs> had to endure <laughs> over the since, since I just say since um, since December when they fired Urban. So <laughs> well, there. He, I mean, he's still leaving his mark with the kicker. You know, the kicker is still still trying to get his money. Yeah. So you know, yeah. Urban, the gift that keeps on giving, right? Yeah. Well. If he was smart, there's that they, they don't want that to get to court because it'll be a whole lot more about Urban that we may not know if that comes out to a jury trial and go to court. So right. they, they might want to settle out or something, but that, that could be real ugly for this franchise, which I don't think it'll go to court. It might get thrown out by the judge, but hey man, they're not talking that about stuff like this and, and with the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> <laughs> they're still talking a little bit about AJ. Some people are, but you know, other than that, they're not really talking about things like this for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. thank you again. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you everybody for listening and watching. You've been tuned in and watching Touring the ASC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.